When the Raptors won just one game in the month of March, this podcast, along with probably the majority of Raptors fans, players and the front office, embraced the competitive tank. This was to develop the younger players and hopefully get a lottery pick in the draft next season. The main message was, though, give up on this campaign. Don't extend it any longer than it has to be. So why then have the Raptors won three of their last five games? Why are they suddenly in a three-way battle for that crucial 10th seed along with the Washington Wizards and a Chicago Bulls team missing Zach Levine for the next few games? The Raptors have rested players on every occasion. Hell, Adam Silver even fined the organization $25,000 for tanking, essentially. So what's going on? Why... Are the Raptors accidentally blundering their way into the playoffs? That's what we'll discuss on today's Falling in the Six. High points in the quarter. Utah Watanabe, you did. Raptors up. 47-26. Now, the good thing about tanking is that while losing is good, If you do manage to win with these younger or fringe players, it's also extremely encouraging for the future. It's why, for example, we have Gary Trent Jr. has not seen the light of day since he putting in two stunning performances against the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Knicks, scoring 44 in a blowout win of the Cavaliers on the 11th April. Now, last time we talked about four crucial games coming up in order for the Raptors to sort of be in with a chance of making that 10th seed. In those, they went one and three. But when the Cleveland game came along, you could tell that there is something in this newfound roster that is really, really resonating. Trent Jr. with 44 points, but have a look at that assist column. Malachi Flynn. He, in the absence of Lowry and Van Vliet, who are out, for numerous reasons, whether it's injury, suspension, infection, COVID, everything. Malachi Flynn is on an absolute tear. He has been the Raptors' top assister in five of the last seven games. And really, he's been extremely clutch. In his last 10 games, he's averaging 32 minutes, 5.6 assists, 12.4 points. He's shooting almost 40% from three. He's 80% from the charity tripes. It's charity stripe. Too excited about Malachi. He's getting four rebounds a game and a couple of steals as well. He's showing the form that we really expected from him, right? Last episode, episode before, we talked about how he's really, really been disappointing. He's looking too passive on offense. His game is there off the ball on defense. He can guard, he can go pretty much toe-to-toe with anyone in the league, any point guard on defense. However, it was just, just not that aggression on the floor. But, turns out, you give a guy regular minutes, you give him, for example, 34 minutes, 35 minutes against Atlanta, he's going to score 22 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. You give him 32 minutes against the Spurs in a great win, he's going to score you 16 and give you 7 assists, right? Cleveland, as we talked about, a really, really good performance. 2 steals, 20 points, 11 assists, and that game in itself was really special in the way that 
Um, it's not only Gary Trent and Malachi Flynn, of course, but the whole roster managed to contribute. Of course, he had Siakam and Larry rested or out for this game. Um, but you saw the likes of DeAndre Brembry stepping up. Now, the thing I like about him is this game is probably not the best example due to his game-high five turnovers. But usually he's very, very clean and tidy with the ball, right? He's not going to show up on the box score. But if you want a really good backup playmaker, DeAndre Bembry is your guy. 13 points, uh, four rebounds, three blocks, and two assists, and in a very clean starting performance in the absence of Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. And also this game was actually the start of the resurgence for Utah Watanabe, who, of course, after a brilliant start and one so good we even analysed it, and a special episode for this podcast, seemed to really fall out of favour, not even really getting in during garbage time. But these last few games, especially the month of April in particular, he has stepped up. He is delivering. He was six from seven from the field against the uh, against the Cavs, five rebounds, and his rebounding, it's very special. It's very good for a six-for-eight uh, wing, actually. You know, you'll see Watanabe towards the top of the Raptors' rebound charts, which might be surprising, but, um, well, I should say might be expected considering the struggles this season. But off the bench, he's a very reliable rebounding source, especially when you have to throw in the likes of Boucher into the starting lineup. You need that guy who can box out and rebound on the floor. Um, and, yeah, that, sh- that was shown in the game against Golden State, a game-high eight rebounds back in uh, back on the 3rd of April. Uh, then we moved into New York, and you know what? I think the Siakam double dribble has and slash lack of clutch gene has been analysed to death. I don't think we're going to spend any time on it, right? Siakam does not deserve this criticism. He's been so, so unlucky. I mean, the chances of all those buzzer beaters going in and out is absurd. I would say this one was perhaps the only one you should blame him for. However... Due to the criticism he's already received, some of the comments that he got after, some of the um, faux analysis that was delivered after about how Siakam can never lead any team to anything um, was just ill-advised and very reactionary. Right, Siakam, okay, we know he can't be a number one option for a championship team. But to say you're never going to maybe give the ball to him in the clutch again? Little bit of a hot take. I have to say on that. He responded though, right? He dropped 30 um, just a week later against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And if you look at his last few games, right, he's really, really stepped up in the absence of the bigger players. He's played eight games, right? Uh, His last eight games, averaging 24 points, almost seven rebounds, over four assists, and a block and a steal every single game. His three-point shooting isn't on point. We know that, right? But when you get 27 against the Lakers, when you get 27 against Chicago, when you get 16 against the Knicks, right? Next game, 30 against Atlanta, like we said, 20 against the San Antonio Spurs. He can be that guy in the absence of your stars. Not a first option, but doesn't deserve the criticism that he currently gets. And if you think about it, Knicks just aren't a terrible team this year. They're not the not-lol Knicks of the past. Everyone knows that. With this win against the Raptors, they actually went to 500. They are very comfortable lock-in to make the playoffs. Julius Randle is playing out of his mind. He also managed to, in this game, get to the line of insane 11 times, which I think annoyed a lot of Raptors uh, fans in general. On the Raptors' 
side, though, there was a lot of comforting things. Once again, we saw Watanabe with good minutes, good reps off the bench. Malakai Flynn, first game in a while, he's not going to score double digits. However, he delivers on the playmaking side. Four assists, even grabs three rebounds and gets a block, right? He's a real big man, that six-foot Malakai Flynn. But overall, it's not the game you judge someone on. This was the game where the Raptors made another one of their kind of fake comebacks. They went down big in the first. They came back strong in the third, but just couldn't close it out. Got the loss they needed. And suddenly, I think then you go on to the Atlanta game. And so 108-103 loss. It's a very, very similar story. Raptors outscore the Hawks 25-18 to in the final quarter, but it's the last minute where they just can't get the buckets they need. Do they even want those buckets? Who knows? All we do know is that, um, you know, they allowed the likes of Bogdanovich, of Goodwin to completely go off. The Hawks did not have Trey Young, Gallinari, John Collins. Uh, both teams were down really big. Obviously, the Raptors seem to be down at least three players every single game. Uh, for tanking. I, I'm sorry, I mean rest purposes. However, once again, right, we talked about Siakam before, shot very efficiently from the field. I was worried if John Collins did play, that's he's basically like Siakam's kryptonite, the likes of him and Adebayo, lengthy, quick players. I mean, Siakam cannot score against them. But luckily he wasn't, and he was able to go ham. 40 minutes, 30 points, seven assists, two blocks, six rebounds. That's all you need from Pascal, right? Who cares that he shoots one from five from three? He's going to shoot 13 from 19 from the field. Ably supported, of course, by the Malachi Flynn. 22 points, right? He's not playmaking as much in this game. Only only three. But those barrage of threes that he launched late in the game, that's what you want, right? These are the kind of games that you want your young players to get high-intensity reps in the clutch in. If you have decided that you're giving up on this season, why not let Malachi Flynn take those crucial contested threes, right? And guess what? He nails them. He's a, he's a good player. He nails those threes. And that experience is invaluable, invaluable in the future. Two misses. Here we go. Flynn cut off, pulls up. Three is good. His name is Malachi. But there's a little addition in this game that, Maybe some people didn't notice. Well, I hope you would all have noticed. All would have noticed Ken Birch and Freddie Gillespie. Suddenly, the Raptors have two serviceable big men. They made good debuts. Well, Ken Birch at least. Thirteen points off the bench. Five from six from the field. Seven rebounds. Of course, you wouldn't be surprised to know it's a game high for the Raptors. Um, and for the first time, they actually managed to out rebound the team. They out rebounded the Hawks forty-two to. 39. It's a very interesting dynamic there. You start off the season with Baines and Len, who completely flopped, right? No one was expecting any miracles from them, but they were even worse. I mean, Len got waived after a couple of months, and Baines, Baines has not seen the light of day despite being the best candidate to be a tank commander, right? Why do you think this is? This is a different conversation altogether. One, he's old, right? You're not going to use Baines next season. He doesn't fit into the system. There's no plans for him. Why play him? He will lose you games. That's fine. But this is... Tanking is a lot more nuanced than just throwing your worst players in. You need to use this time productively, as we said before, to get those 
high intensity reps for your fringe and your young players. There is no need to play Baines. He's done his job this season. It was it just didn't work out. It was a failed experiment. All credit to him. He probably can do a job for another team like Len is doing for the Washington Wizards at the minute. But it just didn't work out. Baines should not play. And this is shown in the next two wins. A huge win, actually, against San Antonio, who, of course, are actually going for the playoffs, right? They're, they would came in 26 and 27 at this stage. But if you look at um, the Western Conference standings, they're really not too far off at all. They're, um, at the minute, they sit at 27 and 28, and they're in that 10th seed. They're, right? they're in that play-in tournament. They're likely to play either the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, or the Warriors at the minute. So they're going for it. This is a game that Pop definitely wants to win. Uh, you've got, you haven't really got anyone resting on the Spurs side. On the Raptors side, you have, once again, Van Vliet and Lowry out of the game. So you've got to start with Malachi and OG Ananobi at the two. He delivers 22 points. But, of course, let's pivot. Let's look at the big men in this game. Boucher starts alongside Birch. Suddenly, the Raptors have a lot more depth. And guess what? They out-rebound the opponents once again, this time by double digits. I don't think that's been done this season. 54-42. to 42. Ken Bush doesn't even need to grab those boards, right? His size, his presence, his boxing out creates the space for the likes of Siakam and Boucher, skinny guys in themselves, to grab 11 and 12 rebounds apiece. Very, very solid on that front. And guess what? If you had Ken Bush from the start of the season, here's a thought experiment. Where would the Raptors be in the standings? Of course, you get a little help off the bench from Freddie Gillespie. Now, we know about Ken Birch, right? Ken Birch from the Orlando Magic, not getting many minutes, especially behind Vucevic. Now Vucevic leaves, they decide to promote Mo Bamba instead. So Birch, homegrown Canadian, grew up watching the Raptors, comes and finally fulfills his dream. Can't play in on the ACC, unfortunately, probably until next season or maybe the season after, who knows. But he delivers and... I mean, he's not old, right? He is fits within the timeline. He's 28, right? Similar age to the likes of Siakam. He fits within the timeline of this team. And he is getting now probably between 25 and 30 minutes a game, which is very sensible because you need a big man to deliver. Let's look at Freddie Gillespie. He is pretty much his designated backup. Now, he's never played in the NBA before. This season, on January the 11th, he was actually selected second in the NBA G League draft. Played very well in that, uh, averaging pretty much a double-double in 27 minutes every game. And the Raptors just decided to take a fire on him. And yesterday, actually, Nick Nurse announced that his 10-day contract would be renewed into a second one. And who knows, towards the end of the season, he's only 23. He's six foot nine, 245. He's a good size, maybe not for a traditional big, but... As we saw in this game with eight rebounds, he can certainly grab the boards. Five offensive rebounds, FYI. There's no harm maybe turning that into a two-way, into a full-time contract. Because this, that rebounding was the essence of this 117-112 victory, right? You didn't have Malachi shooting very well. He went four from 20. Siakam, seven for 20. And overall, the offense was a little bit stagnant in terms of, essentially, they were brick. <laughs> you know, no, no, no better way to put it. The defense was there. The rebounding was there. You didn't allow many second chance points. Of course, you have to account for the likes of 
Paddy Mills for some reason going off for 23 off the bench. But overall, you you know, you keep the likes of DeRozan pretty quiet. He only scored 19. The man's been averaging 20 plus every game. Uh, Derek White had a very good game. But again, that's not enough when you have all your starters scoring 14 plus. Plus, you have bench pieces now. You actually have serviceable players you can come off the bench, right? Before it was the likes of just Stanley Johnson, just uh, Patrick McCaw. Now you've got Gillespie. Uh, now you've got Watanabe who's delivering. Now you've got Rodney Hood from the Norman Powell GTJ trade. All playing good minutes. All putting in performances during their um, during their chances, essentially. So that creates the foundation for a win. Not necessarily what you want for a high lottery pick, but encouraging going forward. Watson turns, fires anywhere on the court. Belongs to Watson. And that brought us on to a Friday night against Orlando. For this season anyway, a real Florida matchup. The Raptors started with Van Vliet, Malachi Flynn, Paul Watson Jr., Chris Boucher, and Ken Birch. Now I'm losing count of the actual players which I let go, but by my counts, it that's OG, Siakam, Lowry, Gary Trent Jr., all out of the lineup. And uh, it's not like the starters really contributed anything either. Van Vliet, 23 minutes, shot three from 11 for six points. Um, Okay, fine. Malachi Flynn as well, similar stats, three for 12. Together, they did combine for 14 of the Raptors' 24 assists. So we can give them a little pass on this game. But there was one thing that really stuck out. Firstly, both teams are tanking. Both teams want to lose. For example, the Rapt- uh, the Magic aren't even starting uh, MVP candidate Terrence Ross anymore. And when they did, it's just 22 minutes. He's only taken five shots. He should be the volume shooter on that team, as we all know from his time in Toronto. Uh, the Magic, of course, probably gave up after the trading of Vucevic. They're looking to build a young core. They've got the likes of Okeke. Um I can't really look at anyone else there. Maybe Wendell Carter Jr. Regardless, the Magic really, really need a lottery pick this time around. Uh, they weren't really impressive. And I think Cole Anthony, of course, always give the Raptors a bit of a hard time. And Wendell Carter Jr., very inconsistent in Chicago. But he delivered 20 points in his 32 minutes, along with nine rebounds and a block. But of course, as always, it's the Raptors we are focusing on. And I had to, if I had to say that there were three players who scored 13 or more points in this game. You would not guess that uh, the third top scorer for the Raptors would be Stanley Johnson with 13. The second would be a career high for Utah Watanabe, 21 points for the Japanese wing. And the top scorer ended up being Paul Watson Jr., who delivered a big 3-0. Now, it's quite funny. You remember how long it took someone like Norman Powell to reach 30? Well, Watson does that on his first career start. He actually single-handedly outscored the Magic 21-20 to in the third quarter. He went 8 for 11 from 3. He was absolutely magical. Now, before COVID and before he fell out of favour a little bit, the other guys were playing, you know, the other fringe players were playing a bit more out of their skin. Watson Jr. was good. We'll remember that um, game against Denver when he was delivering. Um, But it's, you know, almost a month later and he finally gets his shot. 26 minutes, as we said, 
Uh, also contributes an assist, a steal, and a block. He's good on the defensive end, and that's really is where you envision his main strength to be. But having got rid of the likes of Matt Thomas and Terence Davis, if you have another reliable three-point shooter, right, and that's to add to the likes of Watanabe, we're hoping Rodney Hood, and of course the starters as well. If you have someone like Paul Watson who can come in and give you a little spark on both ends of the floor, a little two-way action there, that is very, very useful. The funny thing was, he's actually minus three in his time on the court, <laughs> despite despite that. Um, fantastic performances from the bench, really. As we said, we already, already brought up Utah Watanabe. Six rebounds and a couple of assists and a block to go with his 21 points. He's really creating a space of his own. Now, honestly, I wouldn't have banked on him being more than eighth or ninth man next season, but he can move up to that seventh spot very, very easily, of course, depending on the Raptors' ins and outs. Ken Birch, going back to his old team, uh, quiet performance, seven rebounds, seven assists, but three blocks. He can do it. He is the rim protector that the Raptors have cried out for, right? Uh, of course, Ken Birch, uh, we said Gillespie, you know, is okay, size. Ken Birch, he's uh, well well built. I mean, he wasn't necessarily getting the opportunities that he needed uh, in the Orlando Magic organization, but he's extremely, extremely good. Six foot nine, 233 pounds. So fairly similarly built to Gillespie, but he managed to box out very well. You remember his previous statistics. So uh, in 2015 is where he really came up as a youngster. Uh, he's the NBA D-League. It was of course called the D-League then, not the G-League. All rookie first team, all defensive first team, and uh, an all-star in the D-League then. Of course, very good performances uh, in college um, and and high school as well. Very highly rated coming in. His career stagnated a little in Orlando. In 2018-2019 season, he played 50 games. Didn't start any. Um, he got to start the next season. He started 24 out of the 48 games in the COVID-hit 2019 season. Shot pretty well. Uh, shot 51% from the floor, but really was more of a utility player. Didn't get many touches, was just eating up minutes behind Vucevic. But I think he can be a great, great fit in this team. He's not championship caliber, but he's the guy that you sign over Baines if you want someone to contribute on both ends of the floor to not be too much of a negative in terms of the scoring. You know, he's not going to let people blow by him very easily. He's going to hold his own against the bigger centers in the game, even if he doesn't necessarily dominate them. So Ken Birch is looking good. And of course, Freddie Gillespie delivering a 10 and 7 performance that earned him, as we said, that second two day, second 10 day contract. Now, going forward, of course, you've got such an important decision. As of Sunday, 14th April, the standings for the play in in the Eastern Conference are as such. In seventh, you've got the Miami Heat. Now, you'll expect them to continue to improve, right? Of course, a very dodgy start for Miami. So we're going to count them out of the question. You've then got the Charlotte Hornets down a Gordon Haywood. Coming back, I think, in a couple of weeks. But again, you can sense that they, if they lose a few games, they lose their confidence, they can maybe slip down towards that 10th seed. Then you've got the Indiana Pacers, who have just not been delivering. I mean, apart from Karis LeVert and a bit from TJ McConnell, you haven't really got much on that team. You'd expect them to be doing a lot better, but it really shows how that Oladipo trade just really, really shafted them. 
if I'm honest. And then this is the interesting bit because they're, all those teams are at least, you know, four or five games ahead of the 10th seed, which is currently the Chicago Bulls, 23 and 33. They're without Zach Levine. We know that due to health and safety protocols. So he's not necessarily injured. He's not necessarily going to take that much time coming back from an injury or whatever, right? He's just out. We don't know if he got COVID or not. We hope not. Um, He's going to come back probably straight and firing. But these next five, six games, so, so important for Chicago because they want to go for it, right? They signed Vucevic in midseason for a reason. They're going for this, right? They're in a different stage of their rebuilding to the Raptors. And for them, winning is important despite what you might see from the standings. And then you've got the Washington Wizards. Now, of course, probably one of the most ill-fitted rosters in terms of the talent, the between the backcourt and the frontcourt. You've got, of course, Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And then suddenly you're playing a load of scrubs. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to say it, but without the likes of Thomas Bryant, of course, is injured for the season, you're absolutely playing scrubs uh, around the rest of the team. Still, do they want to make... The playoffs? Who knows? The Wizards' front court often is not that clear in their direction, right? They've been hanging around that sort of bit, anything between 6th and 13th seed for a few years. So who knows? Of course, a player like Russell Westbrook is going to play out of his mind. And if the Wizards don't want to find, they're going to have to keep playing him. Then, of course, just half a game behind, you've got the Toronto Raptors. At the minute, it's probably likely that the Raptors will fall, of course, within the 1-10 to 10 pick, which next season will give them full strength. However, there is something to be said for just going for it. It doesn't matter if you want to rest your players. For example, in that Orlando game, you rested so many, but guess what? It meant Paul Watson Jr. got 25. Utah carried on his trajectory. It doesn't necessarily matter. However, you need to decide... If that playoff experience, if more high-intensity reps are more important, or if a higher pick is more important. We know, it's obvious, right? High, getting a ninth pick doesn't mean you're going to get a superstar, right? The Raptors, of course, got the likes of Jakob Pertl, who ended up being a trade piece in the end. Decent center, but nothing special. Um, high. They got Jonas Valanciunas, very high as well. So, you know, doesn't won't necessarily add so much to your team. If you can go high and then you get maybe a Mobley or something, okay, then then you're in the business. But it's a risk, and you're not going to risk losing, right? Nick Nurse doesn't want to lose. Players do not want to lose. So it'll be exciting, right? Not that many games left. You've got a very, very difficult schedule, admittedly. You've got OKC tonight, but then after that, you've got the Nets. You've got, you've got the Nets twice in a week. You've got Denver, Utah, the Lakers, who knows AD is going to be back, the Clippers twice. <laughs> you've got Dallas as well in that. So you don't going to expect many wins, but there's no harm trying. And if the Raptors happen to end up in that play, and if they happen then to slip somehow into the first round of the playoffs, who cares if they get smashed by the Nets or Philly, right? That's experience for the players. Lowry and uh, DeRozan, of course, got that experience in, in 2015, getting smashed by the Wizards. They got that experience, sorry, several years in a row. Lebronto, of course. Then what do they do? They went on and win a championship. Those minutes are important even if you end up losing it's crucial let's not give up on this season right yet right got two things to look at we've got this playing game and we've got the development of the young and fringe players we can forget about the likes of Lowry who's pretty much on a farewell tour I do hope he come back to play 
a few more games. You know, we know what Van Vliet we can do, can do, OG can do, Siakam can do, right? Okay, they can hone their trade a little bit. But we're looking at anything from sixth man to tenth man. Going to see if they can play a bigger role in what is to be a more optimistic season next year. This is Balling in the Six. We'll be back next week after a fairly easy run-in. Next four games, uh, of course, you've got Brooklyn uh, sandwiched in between OKC, uh, New York, and Cleveland. Uh, we'll be back to discuss and see if the Raptors still really want to competitive tank.